Hello and welcome to the Chaos Configuration Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your emergency backup host, Producer Mason, and I'm joined by our friend in West County, St. Louis, Sean Campbell. How are you doing today, Sean? Oh, you know, just hiding in my cave because another atrocious loss from my squad. But, you know, I haven't <laughs> I haven't gotten much hate mail yet. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh our illustrious leader Mike went and landed himself on the uh the injured list, so you're stuck with us chuckleheads this week. Uh but we are going to bring you a a quick hit show. Uh we've got a little bit of news, uh our weekly roundup for MLS. And then um, USMNT rosters, along with some other stuff. So let's crack on. Starting with the uh, the rumors out of St. Louis City, uh, Joaquin Nilsson has reportedly agreed to a free summer transfer to St. Louis City. This is according to uh, Manuel Veth and Transfer Market. Uh, apparently, they have agreed to personal terms. But we're not expecting an official announcement anytime soon. Armenia Bielfeld is still trying to avoid relegation. He's a key piece of that team at the moment. So, And then his contract expires uh, in the summer. So that's when we're expecting to get real details. But it's it's exciting. Um, I, saw, I saw an interview that Lutz gave where he said that uh, what he really wanted to focus on was building a spine. So we've got... Um, Oh, what's the name of the goalkeeper? I already forgot. Uh, Berkey? You're talking about Berkey? Yeah, Berkey. <laughs> yeah. So we got Berkey in net. Uh, we got Nilsson now. Uh, we've got, you know, good experienced players coming through. Ostrak, um, Jao Klaus, uh, building a, a core, an experienced core. And I wanted to bring this up, although I can't necessarily verify it. Um, I saw in an article on Transfer Market about the Berkey signing that um, Lutz had said that all of these players that are going to come in in the summer will be playing for the uh, City 2 for the next pro team. But I couldn't find where they got that quote from. And if I'm going to be completely honest, that article was kind of busted. Um, it, it was hard to parse. It almost seemed like it was machine translated. So I'm not 100% sure on the veracity of that. I will say this, though, um, judging by the, the players that are coming over uh, and how quickly they're coming over, because a lot of them, we when we first heard they were linked to the team, we thought they were going to be coming in the middle of our first season because that's when their contracts were up. We got a couple of them early and they're coming over and you don't want them to just sit here and not do anything. You want them to get in-game experience. And as we've speculated in the past, it seems like, um, you know, the the... MLS Next Pro is going to be more it's going to be the minor league effectively while also having independent teams. So you could have a lot of younger guys that are on pro contracts playing on that team. So it makes sense to have your players that are going to be playing first team if you don't have a first team start getting in-game experience, working together, working with the guys that are underneath of them. So you have that familiarity when eventually that some of these guys come up and actually make first team, whether that's right out the gate or in a couple of years. We'll have to see that, but it's nothing but a good sign. Um, and I think the familiarity with uh, Lutz and oh, especially over in Germany, where we're getting a lot of these these guys from, uh, that has a lot to speak to it. And I think that, you know, they trust him a little bit more because he knows their system and he kind of has he's got his feet wet over here. So there's there's a certain amount of trust and rapport there that I think is helping them 
decide to at least agree to terms to come over and then he convinces them again with toasted ravioli and emo's pizza to come early <laughs> exactly yeah but um what you said about the familiarity um i saw loot say that that a big reason why he wanted to get them over here early and with the uh with city two was specifically so that they could gel build some chemistry um I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. I think we have, but we've talked about it off air as well, that uh, putting these players in City 2 instead of putting them out on loan for half a season or whatever uh, means that you have more control over their playing time, um, you know, their their coaching, their development, all of that. So, you know, we're talking about some experienced guys. You're not necessarily worried about development so much, but development in the sense of learning the system learning you know the play style uh the press all of that is uh is going to be important and so if you can keep them in your system have them play in mls next pro get that familiarity both with each other and the uh the style of play i think that's a good thing yeah definitely uh getting get, and it's not just getting them used to playing you know, with each other, part of it's also getting used to playing with the coaches because Lutz has said he wants the coaching to be the same up and down. Um, so getting used to the system they're going to be playing if they're if it's if, you know, they're coming from a place where they're not specifically playing exactly what Lutz wants. It can help get them acclimated to that a little bit, a little bit sooner uh, once they actually jump into MLS play. And I mean, the more we look at it, the more we have to realize that the, this this is one of the gems that comes out of having the the Panini press that is COVID happen and push us back a year. So it's mm-hmm. it's looking good for us. And again, we're seeing that spine come together. But I I love I would love to see what accent pieces we can pick up when the when the summer transfer window actually opens up for Europe. And it in the, looking even further ahead again once we get to that that expansion draft, who we can pick up that's very familiar with the MLS already and into the college draft to see who we can bring in from across the country. Yeah. Another thing to touch on is this is another free transfer. So far, we've only paid transfer fees on Jao Klaus. So we're getting these players basically at like a discount. Um, If for no other reason, then we don't have to pay anything on top of their salaries. So, you know, it's uh, being kind of frugal making sure that you still have room to work with to pick up more accent pieces um you know you're gonna want you know wingers that can feed the ball into klaus um really need a strong defense and especially in this league you need midfielders because everything happens in the midfields in mls oh yeah so. midfield's so important but yeah. biggest thing with that keeping that allocation money open is you can go and say hey you know, we won't pick from your team in the expansion draft because you only get a certain number of picks. We won't pick from your team if, you know, you can use that as a as a t- bargaining chip to say, hey, but we want to buy this player. So mm-hmm. we'll pick someone else, but we want to buy. We have plenty of transfer allocation money we can give you for this player that we actually would have picked if you don't, you know, if you don't let us pick him, we're just going to buy him from you anyway, which is a smart move in the end. But we'll see how that yeah. all shakes out later down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's about all I've got for um, for first team news. Uh, over in MLS Next Pro and in um, in the academy, uh, let's start with the academy. The U16s had a blowout game 
against Midwest United. They won that 7-1, to one, which is nuts. The U-17s lose 3-0 to the Houston Dynamo U-17s, so that's pretty brutal. But um, in the U-16 game, that monster game, uh, Omar Silich had a hat trick, which is good for him. And um, yeah, uh, looking very promising for the U-16s. The U-17s are off to a bit of a slow start. Yeah, but it's still very early on in the season. I think they have, what, six or seven games already played, but I think they're looking at playing a lot more. It's a long season. We got to go yet. They got plenty of time to bounce back and start pushing for it. Um, but the 16s coming out of the gate hot and heavy. And I mean, these this is academy games. I'm not saying they don't mean anything, but it's it's good to see that they're playing well when they do play well. So we'll, we'll have to see how the 17s shake out, but seeing the 16s come out and absolutely boss games like this is very good. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys, if not later in the year or next year, jump up to that U 17 team, especially once we start seeing 17 guys end up playing in next pro because guys on city two end up jumping up. It's next man up. And mm-hmm. then everybody has to fill in a spot. Exactly. And it's uh, another promising sign of having all of this infrastructure underneath the first team in place already. And speaking of City 2, they had their final preseason game before the regular season kickoff on Friday. They won against Union Omaha 2-1 with a game winner in stoppage time right at the death. Not a lot of information out about this game. Uh, I mostly found this from a thread that Matt Baker retweeted <laughs> that was being posted from the Union Omaha account. Um, so don't really have names for city players that scored, unfortunately. But uh, we got a result, 2-1 win. That's nice. And there was another bonus PK shootout. <laughs> so uh, Did we don't win know twice again? <laughs> I don't know who won that one, but <laughs> they do just love to be up there taking shots. I mean, hey, you never know when you're going to have to be able to step up and take a PK in a game or in some sort of actual competition setting. So getting the getting the reps in now is is never a bad thing. That's for sure. Exactly. Plus, it's it's fun and you get to kick the ball. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get to hear everybody cheer and scream and then be mad at you if you hit the bar and go over. But, (laughs) you know, you got to get used to the fan interaction now, especially, you know, when it's when it's a little you know a lot fewer fans and you actually get to hear specific phrases and words being heckled at you as opposed to just general loudness being screamed in your general direction yeah which is why it was fun to uh to go to those games at Creve Corps and and hoot and holler <laughs> for a preseason game <laughs> but i think that's all i've really got for for city so Sean, how about you start us out with mls yeah yeah so uh I've got a few quick hits here from the MLS this weekend. Uh, we're going to start out. We got more correspondence from our pen pal up in Chicago, Tio Luis. Always love to hear from you guys, you listeners, especially those that are repeated listeners and repeated repeatedly write in. I love to build fans and, you know, that rapport. I want to give some props to the fire who had an absolutely great game. I did, in fact, start Shakiri on my fantasy team, and he got me fifth in the fifth in the league this week. So <laughs> way to go. Um Always love hearing from you guys. Uh, the fire just went out. They took total advantage of the fact that sporting is not looking like sporting this year. Um, not to sound like I'm making excuses, but when you have your top five scorers from a year ago out for f- the foreseeable future at the moment, you're going to have a tough time. 
and you're going to have to make tough roster decisions. But I mean, them's the breaks. You have to take them as you as they go. And props to the fire. And I just hope Sporting can turn it around. Jumping from that game to a game that had a little bit more importance in my mind, Charlotte FC. They come out and they just they beat the Revs three to one to win, get their first win in franchise history. And it's not just huge because it's their first win. It's huge because they came out and did it over the New England revolution of all teams. And I, I understand they had a midweek game in CONCACAF Champions League, but the Revs, they're good enough. They should be able to have depth to play in both competitions and at least put up a fight. But Charlotte seemed to really ha- not necessarily own this game, but from what I saw of the, of the highlights and whatnot... Charlotte was definitely not just getting chance goals. Their their play, they got plenty of chances. I think they might have hit a post or two. Um, granted, they had some mishaps in the defense, and this game easily could have ended up 3-3. But you love to see a team get their first win, and I'm real happy for them. Go, go, yeah. Charlotte FC. Ben Bender with a goal. Mr. Bender Bender, oh, yeah. the name's so good they named him twice. But uh Oh yeah. And he actually he actually had a couple of other chances from what I saw that actually looked pretty dangerous. Um yeah. but Swiderski absolutely stepping up, grabbing the brace, just doing doing DP things on that DP contract, and this is exactly what we expected of him for Charlotte FC when he came across the pond. And I expect to see more of that this year, and I think Charlotte's gonna get a few more wins, and I think they might be a little bit more competitive than we originally thought. Yeah, they uh, they got off to a rocky start, but um, I uh, after everything that happened like preseason where it seemed like they were waiting until like the deadline to actually put together enough players to have a roster, um, they're shaping up pretty good. Uh, they look to be kind of in the shape that Austin was last year, which is to say certainly not bad for a first year expansion team. They definitely look exciting and they're 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 fun to watch. I'll give them that much, that's for sure. Um it's just a matter of how how good can they pull it together and I think they're gonna get better as the season goes on because like you said, when you pull a roster together haphazardly almost at the you know, at the death of the preseason, you you kinda you're gonna take time to gel. It's like trading, you know, making a transfer or trading a player in the offseason and then they don't get to come in until right before the season starts and you gotta take time to gel. And yeah. sometimes it wins uh, the championships, <laughs> and sometimes it just means you're going to have a rough season. But, you know, it is what it is. Them's the breaks. <laughs> These things happen. But, um, yeah, it seems that um, the uh, the portentous omens from um, the last-minute roster cohesion has not really come to pass so disastrously yet. So, good signs over in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. But it's still early in the season. We'll see how it goes for them. Mm-hmm. Um, another unexpected surprise of a team this year has been uh, FC Dallas. They came out and absolutely rolled the Timbers 4-1. to one. And It was Ferreira getting the hat trick and Paul Ariella getting the other goal. Those two absolutely connected on next level interaction in that game. I loved watching those two and it, it's... They just paired so well. I I just hope and pray that they can bring that to country, country level play in this window. But we'll get more into that later. But Ferreira yeah. gets his first hat trick. The FC Dallas continues to be absolutely wonderful to watch, and they're looking to put together a, a strong season this year. Another team I think we might have underestimated in the early season or before the season started in our previews. Yeah, I I'll cop to that. Um, I didn't think Paul Ariola would be such a game changer for him. 
Oh yeah, definitely. But he's he came in, he gave an assist or two, and got his goal in the end. And FC Dallas, I hope you guys keep going strong too. We're gonna keep it in Texas for this next one, Austin FC. Another big test for them. They just came from playing and playing against Portland, and now they're they went and played against the Sounders, who again also had a midweek game with uh, Concacaf Champions League. But they got a draw, and that's exciting to see from them because, as we've seen multiple times before, the Sounders are the one exception to the rule when it comes to you're either good in CCL or you're good in MLS. You're not good in both. But the Sounders seem to have that somehow magic that they can be good in both, at least this year. And Austin drew them 1-1. And looking at the highlights for it, Austin FC got a lot more chances than I thought. They hit a few posts. They had some very dangerous looks. They only held Seattle to one goal. And I mean, to be fair, Seattle did get a few chances. But when when is Seattle not going to get chances? Let's be real. But it's when you Seattle. get down, it's Seattle. It's Sounders. What do you what do yeah, you it's expect a, it's the, from them? It's the Sounders Death Star. So it's it's genuinely like a really good result to get a one one draw. Oh yeah, especially against Sounders. But uh, looking back at the highlights, I, I realized that Austin FC's set pieces are looking damn near lethal this year. Which is, if you can't score on a set piece, you may as well just hope and pray to get that last playoff spot. But Austin had some really good looks, and I mean, when it comes down to it, Alex Ring is doing some real work for them. Maxi Arudi put in some work, um, had a couple of good looks. They just, it was a good game to watch, for sure, and I I really hope that Austin can keep this going and uh, prove me wrong and actually, you know, make a a push for an upper playoff spot this year. So, we'll see how that goes. What do you think about that? Well, I mean... Yeah, uh, Austin looks a lot better than uh, than they did last year, and they look a lot better than I expected, especially because they didn't add too many pieces, but the ones they did really have made an impact. Um, with the Sounders, I'm glad that Will Brown got some playing time because I have him on my fantasy roster, and he got me a nice six points. So <laughs> Yeah, that's always good to see. And I yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm always a little biased towards Will Brown because, I mean, he's a dismet boy like me, so go Spartans. Um, but yeah, Sounders, they've, they're, they're looking good, but they, they're not having the best start to the season, but I'm sure they'll turn it around in the end, especially once their schedule clears up a little bit and they're not playing in CCL and MLS, but it's still early. We'll see how things go. Hope and pray for Mm -hmm. Austin to do well. Keeping it also in Texas, (laughs) the Dynamo. We're doing a tour of Texas. (laughs) We're doing a tour of Texas this week, but for good reason, because they got good results against good teams. Because the Houston Dynamo, they went, I believe, were they in Colorado or were they in Houston? That one I'm not sure on. That's a good question. Let's find out. What? Pulling it up now. Houston were at home. Okay, so they were at home. So Houston got a result against the Rapids. They drew the Rapids. And I just I just look at this game and I I'm not going to lie. I didn't see much from this game. But uh, looking at the result, you have to wonder, did Texas just get together and collectively decide, (laughs) hey, let's get our stuff together and actually look like the most dangerous state in soccer at the moment? Because (laughs) that's what it's looking like here. 
It's almost like they heard us talking about them and and you'll say and they may not they're not going to do much this year and then say let's pr- prove those random guys in St. Louis wrong because <laughs> you know, Texas is better and Texas is everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. But you love to see underdogs yeah. absolutely come out and get great results and get points against big teams that did big things last year cuz the Rapids they look strong. But Houston came out, got a result. Love to see it. Yeah. I mean, with FC Dallas and Austin, this is, I think, a very promising look for their future. I think the Dynamo kind of got lucky, (laughs) if I'm going to be honest. But yeah, I mean, yeah, these Texas teams don't look bad. Um, It's not looking like it's shaping up to be a battle for the bottom like it was last year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Looking at... You know, looking at the teams from the bottom last year, uh, I don't even know if you can consider. I, I don't know if we want to consider that maybe Cincy's out here trying to prove us wrong as well because they're they're doing all right. Four games in, two wins, two losses, including a three three one thrashing of uh, CF Montreal. I mean, that that this these bottom feeders from last year are looking real strong at the start. I don't know if it's just the wild, wild west of craziness that is the start to the MLS season, or if, you know, part of its CCL drag, but I, I lo- if nothing else, I love a good, exciting race all the way down, the, all the way down the line. So hopefully yeah. Cincinnati gives up the wooden spoon this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's, uh, it's very telling that, um, since he's starting off at 500 is a dramatic improvement for them. <laughs> Cause uh, right at 500 is not exactly an inspiring scoreline, but I mean, it's only four games. It's not like we're coming down to decision day and they're hitting 500 and hope and like pushing for a playoff spot at 500, you know, they're, yeah. they're coming out here and they're, they're making points good for them. I hope they improve and I hope they keep getting those points because they really deserve them. Yeah, that's about I, all I've got as far as spot <laughs> hits. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aside from, yeah, since he's been our punching bag since we started this show, but eventually that fan base deserves to get something good for him. <laughs> well, I guess it's I guess it's time to find a new punching bag. Then who are we going to pick? Because, I mean, right now <laughs> we've got a we've got a couple of options. And this year it's looking like our options are the Quakes, Montreal, the Whitecaps and Inner Miami. My bets on Inter Miami. (laughs) The Caps have been tragic. Oh, (laughs) yeah. No, those are the four teams that have yet to get a win in MLS this year. I think at least they all have points. We don't have any pointless teams. But they all have zero wins. And that's very upsetting. Especially for a club like Montreal, who's in CCL. And Vancouver, who had such a good end-of-the-year push last year. But I expect Inter Miami and San Jose to be down here. Yeah. Um... I've said it before, I'll say it again, history has vindicated me. Uh, Vancouver did not adequately replace Crapeau in its showing. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I do think I do think that Vancouver might be able to bounce back from this. Uh, but it's going to take a stellar performance from, from their goalie and their defense needs to really step up because you can't expect the backstop to be a literal brick wall game in and game out. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at undefeateds because we already touched on the winless. Um, so undefeated still through week four, LASC, Philly. I want to talk about Philly, RSL, 
uh, Columbus, Chicago, and Minnesota. So I want to start off with Philly. I watched that game. That was a really fun game. And um, it does not seem to have hurt Philly at all uh, losing Shabilgo. Oh, yeah, that's that's it's really surprising how well they've been able to just keep their shape, keep their form, keep the the goals that come in, uh, especially without Shabilko, who has not done a whole lot for Chicago. Um, really, ex- really expected him to be more of a more of a factor. But from what I've yeah. seen, he has he, he hasn't. Has he found the score sheet yet there? I don't think he has. I don't think he scored yet, which is really uh. surprising. I thought he did something last week, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but yeah, because um, yeah, he had a monster year in Philly last year, but like it, nothing much to show this time around so far. Um, doesn't seem to have hurt the fire too much either. They've been good. Oh, yeah. The fire have somehow managed to come out and have a monster start. And it's, you know... It, Again, it's one of those fan bases that has not had a lot of good to good things to say about their team for the last few years. But I mean, I really hope that they can actually keep up and maybe make the playoffs this year. But it's again, it's early season; it's all speculation at this point. But they they really deserve it, those fans over there. Um, but if I had to pick from that list of six teams, I honestly think the only teams that are really going to stick around are and and beat towards the top of the table are probably going to be LAFC Philly. And as much as I hate to say it, RSL is probably gonna be pushing for a little while at least. Um, mm-hmm. But I expect the fire in Minnesota to drop off a little sooner than the rest. But with I, what I del- think, um, <laughs> I think Minnesota is a sleeper hit. I wouldn't sleep on them too much. Oh no. I mean, I'm not saying Minnesota is going to drop to the bottom, but I would definitely expect them to drop lower and, be pushing for a last playoff spot, but I could be wrong. It's again, it's all conjecture at this point. It's super early in the season, mm-hmm. not really enough to really draw too many trends from, but with what LAFC put together this off season, they, I think they fixed their big problems and they're going to be a tough team all year long. It's yeah. going to be exciting to watch. That's for sure. And RSL yeah. <laughs> is RSL. What? You never know with them. It could you they could be winning the winning the division or they could just be like barely squeaking in. Who knows? Yeah, they're RSL is almost like the uh, the mirror opposite of San Jose where they're wacky, but not in a um, like a tragic comic way like San Jose, but in a in a good way where they can um, like either completely blow a tire or blow the doors off of you. It seems more like, to make a bad analogy, it seems like the earthquakes are tripping and falling down the stairs. Sometimes you come up and you, you know, make it look like you did a nice tumble and you get some points out of it. Um, Whereas RSL (laughs) RSL is falling up the stairs. (laughs) RSL is falling up the stairs. And sometimes you end up at the top and you're just laying flat on your back. Like, oh, that really hurt. And other times you're standing tall and you're just like, look at us. We we did that really, really cool. And everyone's just clapping for you. Whereas everyone's just like, okay, you didn't get hurt for San Jose. It's, yeah. it's, a, you're, oh, it's a weird two ends of the spectrum of chaos. Was but... it, it? It was in the playoffs last year where RSL won a game without having a shot on goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the first round. They won yeah. a game in the first round without having a shot on goal because it went to penalty kicks. Yeah, like, 
I, I don't care who you are. That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> There's just it's 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 the MLS curse, man. If it goes to PKs <laughs> and RSLs involved, unless unless something magical happens, they're going to win. That's just what yeah. happens. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't know the soccer gods will when it comes to penalty kicks. And I don't <laughs> get it, but they just have magic when it comes to PKs. And they always will in my brain. <laughs> um, but one one team we haven't really talked about from the undefeated is the crew. Mm-hmm. Because this looks like it could be a bounce back year for them. Whereas, you know, previously they followed the formula of, all right, get this coach, win the trophy, and then the next year you're shit. And then he goes mm-hmm. away. Or, sorry. Well, I, I, can we bleep that? Are we going to have to label this explicit now? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, you can fix it in post. The, it's the chaos show. <laughs> you could fix it in post, right? Yeah, fix it in post. But this this is this looking like a bounce back year for him. Yeah. Um who's the coach for crew? I should know this. Um, hold on. Let me let me look it up before you actually jump into it. That way we can actually say it without looking like we didn't do our re- Caleb Porter. Yeah. Caleb Porter. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's the yeah, Caleb, Caleb Porter, Porter cycle. Exactly. Yeah, you ride the Caleb Porter wave. You you are really good one year, and then you are total trash, and then you're really good again. And for seemingly no reason other than, well, Caleb Porter is there. <laughs> it's it's amazing to see that kind of trend continues everywhere he goes. But who knows? Maybe next year, if they can keep this up and be good this year, and next year be good again, he might finally break the taboo or the or whatever juju is put on him. Um. <laughs> I'd love to see that just because I don't like seeing people be super streaky like that and then get labeled as streaky and then never get a job again. But <laughs> we'll see how the crew fare this year. It's it's going to be going to be interesting to say the least, especially with Nashville now in the West, who don't mm-hmm. seem to be doing too bad, but also aren't exactly blowing the doors off people like they did last year. So... <laughs> I'm going to keep saying this. History has vindicated me. Um, Nashville are still contenders, but they aren't as good in the West, which is way more competitive than the East was last year. Oh, no, I think we all said that at the beginning of the, at the, during our previews. I had yeah. them as a playoff team, but like a, a an away first round playoff team, not a home first round playoff team. Yeah, so, but and because, yeah, it's just it's so much more stacked there. Um, uh, LAFC, RSL, um, the Sounders, Death Star, of course. Um, the Timbers are still good, even though they've had a rocky start. Um, yeah, it, it's way more competitive than the East was last year where, okay, so the Revs win and then everyone else fights for second. Yeah, it, it's, it really is a little bit, I'm not going to say more competitive as I'd rather say it's, it's a tighter race top to bottom. I think, Um, I think that's more what I was trying to get at. Yeah, right, right. But when it comes down to it, you know. Seattle led the West for most of last year, and then Colorado came out of nowhere and took it. Uh, Sporting KC may be at the bottom, at right? You know, towards the bottom right now, but get to the middle of the season once things start coming together. After you know, with all these roster changes that we're going to have to make because we just lost Mari because he's obviously not fitting in the system. Um, it, we might come out of nowhere and and jump up into the top. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it really could be anybody wins on any given day and we might have a real Leicester city situation going on out in the West <laughs> right now. Uh, um, yeah. especially with, with how good Austin FC is looking. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, we've seen it with some of these results. It's a very much in an any given Sunday situation going on in MLS right now. 
Yeah, yeah. More so on the west than in the east, but it it's definitely looking like anybody on any day could win any game against anybody. Yeah. Well, I guess let's move on to uh to a competition that has some more predictable results and talk about a uh, CCL. I'm not sure I'd say predictable results as much as I'd say fewer results. <laughs> That's but, also uh, true. <laughs> but yeah, so we're moving into the semi finals. Um, <laughs> if anyone gets that reference, send us a tweet. Tell us that reference. Um, but we're going. To I don't the even get that reference. <laughs> you plebeian, <laughs> you uncultured swine. <laughs> but we're not? moving into. <laughs> We're into the final four of the of the CONCACAF Champions League. And I think they were waiting to announce the 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 draws because normally it's actually a full bracket, but I think they wanted to do it and wait and wait a little bit to announce who's playing who because of how many teams were left. Um because we've got Pumas versus Cruz Azul. Their first leg is April 5th at 8 p.m. And then we have the Sounders versus NYCFC on the April 6th, also at 8 p.m. So Tuesday and Wednesday in a couple of weeks. Um, but I think they were waiting because they wanted to see, would we get an all MLS final four or how do they shake out? And I think, it, I think the way they did it is right. If you get two and two, you put the two teams in the same league against each other. So you at least have the leagues pl- playing each other in the final. I think that was a very mm-hmm. smart move, but yeah. uh, the way it's looking, the way it's shaping up, I fully expect Cruz Azul to stomp Pumas and I fully expect Sounders to, eke out a win just barely over NYCFC. Yeah, I wanted to ask you who you had in Sounders NYCFC, but I pretty much agree. Um, Sounders have looked better in CCL competition or even overall competition than NYCFC has. They've just they've dropped off a bit from um, their uh, from winning winning the cup last year. They just don't look quite as tight and quite as sharp. Yeah, and they didn't really do much in the offseason as far as transfers in and out. So that's, it's a little bit, do you think maybe they're just running a little ragged and maybe they'll do better in MLS once they once their schedule clears up again? But uh, I, I don't see them being able to hang in both competitions, but I think the Sounders might be able to at least hang around a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes, but... You're right. NYCFC has not looked nearly. They've had a couple of very dominant wins in this competition. Yeah. But if you go against the Sounders, I I think you you've got a tough tough time getting through. And if you do, you eke it out on penalties at best. Yeah. NYCFC certainly has not been bad. They just haven't been quite as good as I expected. Um, I do think Pumas had a bit of an upset win against the Revs. If I'm going to be honest. Um. So yeah, I think Cruz Azul is going to take that one. Um, uh, didn't, it's disappointing for CF Montreal, but I did expect them to lose. So, oh yeah, I was, and that's not just because I'm a Cruz Azul fan. (laughs) I was upset that, that Montreal did not, you know, move past Cruz Azul in the upset win, but them's the breaks. It's the champions league. You expect the better teams to just come out ahead. You, You don't really get as many upsets, but when you do get the upset, it's huge. Um, but I, I don't think Pumas really are gonna are gonna do anything of worth against Cruz Azul. They're gonna try their best and they're gonna look dif- they're gonna look difficult to play against, but it's gonna be Cruz Azul and Sounders in the final, and I'm just 
hoping and praying as much as I hate to say it. I'm hoping and praying that the Sounders are the first to win first MLS team to win it just so we can have an MLS team win it, bring some more legitimacy to the league. And that can do nothing but help us out in the end. So, yeah, take the well, hit. We are, at least, <laughs> we are at least guaranteed to get an MLS team in the finals. So which is definitely a good thing. Mm hmm. But I think that about wraps it up for domestic club teams. Um, unless you have anything else to say, Mason. Well, um, as we're recording today, um, this evening kicks off the first round of the U.S. Open Cup, which I am very excited is back. Um, this is, yeah, like pro your pro-am teams, um, local clubs, stuff like that, and way too many to really go over. But the U.S. Open Cup is back. Very excited. Love that competition. U.S. Open Cup! Fun fact. Um, I'm going to ask a question. I'm very excited about it. It has a little bit of history for us. Um, of the teams that have won the Open Cup from Missouri, we have one, two, three, four, five, six teams from St. Louis. And if you could name three of them, I will give you a hug if you ever find us <laughs> at a game. <laughs> and uh, a fun fact for me is that uh, you can even do that with just one team because it won it under three different names. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. Oh, I didn't know that. That's trivia. I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us yeah. go. <laughs> but yes, yeah, surprisingly, uh, this fact I'll give you instead of asking you to, to tell me. Uh, Missouri actually has the fourth most wins in U.S. Open Cup history with 11 titles. Four. And all of them except for one came from St. Louis. That was the Kansas City Wizards while they still played it at Arrowhead as opposed to over on the Kansas side for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I think I've mentioned, I think I mentioned this maybe even last week, but there was a very good St. Luligans tweet, which is we have funeral homes with more U.S. Open Cup wins than your state. There is your hint <laughs> for one of the teams. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, um I I'm just I'm really excited for the US Open Cup to be back. I love it. All right. So jumping from one US competition to another, let's get started on this US men's national team World Cup qualifying window. First things first, let's get into the roster and actually say who's on it. Uh we've got the roster named originally was at goalkeeper we have Horvath, Johnson, and Stefan. On defense, we originally had Reggie Cannon, George Bellow, or not George Bellow. We had Reggie Cannon, Serginho Dest, M-Rob, A-Rob, Aaron Long. Eric Palmer Brown shows up. That's an interesting one. James Sands comes in, and of course, Walker Zimmerman, because it's Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. In the midfield, we've got Kellen Acosta. We've got... I want to say Matt Adams, but I know it's not Matt Adams. <laughs> That'd be a, a fun career change. <laughs> Fat Adams, big city, jumbo Pepsi. <laughs> no, it's Tyler Adams in the midfield. Uh, my boy, John Luca Busio. Uh, we've got <clears throat> Luca De La Torre coming in, Eunice Musa, and Christian Roldan. And then at forward, we've got Paul Areola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Jordan Pifok. Ricardo Pepe, Derzug, Christian Pulisic, Claudio, not Claudio Reyna, Gio Reyna, 
you know, the names, they just, <laughs> when they're family, it happens. Yeah. I got family. <laughs> I got family. <laughs> we, we got a, we got Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. starting as striker. <laughs> oh, that'd be a fun game to watch. <laughs> but no, it's Gio Reyna and Tim Weah comes back. Love to see it. As far as who's hurt, Weston McKinney's out with an ankle injury. Serginho Dest was originally named, but he's got a hamstring injury. He's since been replaced by George Bellow. Thus, the prior slip-up. Uh, Matt Turner's also out with an ankle injury. Brendan Aronson just got named as a, as a knee injury. We don't have a replacement for him at time of recording. And Chris Richards is also out with an ankle injury. And first things first, I need to know, why are all these ankles so weak? Why football man no stand up? <laughs> yeah, um, there is a uh, <laughs> there is a specter haunting the USMNT and its weak ankles. <laughs> It's almost like Achilles came back from the grave. <laughs> but no, on, on, thoughts on this initial roster for you, Mason? Um, I mean, it not too much surprising here. Um, it's a it's a bummer that Turner's out because he's been very solid for us through every window. But I think we've got good goalkeeping, um, so I'm not too worried about it. Um. Yeah, McKinney being out too is uh is kind of rough, but yeah, definitely. I'd say Weston McKinney being out is our biggest question going into this window outside of striker, but I think this is a bigger issue to to solve because the midfield is so important especially especially for us for our play. They link everything together and we just don't really have a dead-on number 6 fill in for him. Um, I would like to see Busio get a shot against Panama, but I don't think he's going to be ready uh, to play that that number six role against Mexico, especially since we're going to be playing in Azteca. I think Acosta is probably going to fill that role. Worst case mm-hmm. scenario, it's it's either him or Adams. Um, but if you put Adams in there, then you've got to have someone else starting in in that eight role for for Adams. But Moose is definitely going to get that start just because that MMA midfield has been too dominant for us lately. But mm-hmm. uh, I think Acosta gets it against Mexico, and in an effort to rest and rotate ever so slightly, we might see Busio against Panama. But uh, I, I just hope and pray we don't have to go into Costa Rica and get a point. That's my yeah. only hope. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we're surprisingly thin in the midfield. Have been all all through qualifying. Um. And yeah, what we were worried would happen has happened and we're missing a really key piece there and don't have a good uh, plug. Yeah, I definitely think that this is going to be a big, big chance for some of these younger guys like Busio and De La Torre to really step up and make a name for themselves on the national scene and really push for a role further on into the future. Um, But uh, has... One thing I want to note is has doesn't Sands has he ever played in in a defensive midfield role or am I just I imagining do not that? Know. I do not know. That would be a question for our illustrious leader who is not here. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably have a better better uh lineup on that. But uh if he has ever played there, it might we might get him a surprise start in midfield cuz from everything I've seen that back line looks pretty solid starters you've got Zimmerman and Emrob in the middle you've got A-Rob on the side and then that other side is kind of by committee with Yedlin, Bello, Cannon, Dest whoever's around but uh if Dest was in it'd be him for sure um mm-hmm. 
But that back line seems pretty set, especially at center back. So I don't see Sands. I mean, he might get a start in a rotation spot, but I don't think he's the dead on starter in the middle anymore. Not with the way those two have been. I'm not going to say shut down, but they've been very solid for sure. Yeah. Um, I am glad that Sands is back. I do like him, even though he now plays for my uh, loathed rival Rangers. <laughs> but I like him as a player. So, yeah, we... We'll see how the, how the starting lineup shake out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start at least one game, just a matter of where. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, Stryker is up in the air as usual, but with the way the showing that Ferreira put in at uh, this last weekend, as we've already talked about, I, I see no question that he's going to start that first game in Mexico, um, especially with the surprise leave off of Jossie Zardes. Um, mm-hmm. No Zardes, the, I mean, you go with the hot foot, and I, I think that's going to be Ferreira. Uh, Derzug seems to be running off the rails a little bit like a crazy train, but who <laughs> knows? Maybe he just needs that one moment where he can just put a foot to the ball, put it in the net, and, I mean, thinking about it a little bit more, it seems less of he's not playing well and more of he's a young kid and he's still trying to get a, you know get his head around the fact that he might be playing in a different system in in the Bundesliga that he is at country and that might be a little bit hard for him to try to balance and play you know play in different situations um mm-hmm. I think that's going to come with time and it's just you're going to have to keep calling him up and putting him in those spots and hoping that he can put it together uh but Ferreira's playing in a system at FC Dallas that's at least the same setup and fairly similar in in play style so why not give him the start and especially if you can put Ariola on the side because those two connected so well you've already got the mm-hmm. familiarity that takes a little bit out of out of the struggle of trying to find a player on that side especially with Aronson being out and you can just plug in another engine who's just going to run at you all game and give you really good service with Ariola so I'm not saying it's not a loss to have Aronson out but we have someone that can fit that role very well and has already proved that he will fit that role so it's it's yeah. not necessarily a loss so much as it's we've got a replacement available. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean uh the thing is is that like up front we've been pretty good. It's just been um actually finishing, actually um you know, actually getting some production with Jesus Ferreira coming off that um that game and being so in form right now. Uh, I don't see, yeah, like, like you said, I don't see why you don't start him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and the last couple windows, we've seen that service from the wings start getting better, getting, actually getting the ball into the box and getting it onto the foot and onto the head of the guys that are actually making the runs and Mm -hmm. with Ferreira making those runs and being in such good form, I don't see why you don't, um, the biggest issue I think at this with the forwards we have right now outside of who starts, because again, in this window, it looks like it's going to be Ferreira almost, almost guaranteed is can Pulisic focus on playing his role or is he going to get stuck in his mindset of, I have to be captain America again and try to do everything and end up causing more problems than he's solving by doing so. Yeah. That has been the biggest issue we've had up front all qualifying. Um, like I, I don't nec- like I don't necessarily feel good saying this, but up front we almost looked better when he was out because we got more team play. Yeah, I I would agree a hundred percent with that. 
Um, but at the same time, having him on the field, if he can get his head out of out of the I have to do everything spot, I mean that he can keep making those runs. He can check back into the midfield every once in a while and you know make make some hold up play or get the ball out of a dangerous area and immediately get it off to somebody else after drawing four or five defenders like he always does. If he can if he can focus on that part of it and playing the wing as opposed to you know again trying to be Captain America. I think we're going to see a very dangerous squad and we might even get points in Azteca fingers crossed, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's going to come down to game time. And if they even start him uh, because Jordan Morris is back and he's looking good. So he might start on one side, Ariel on the other and bring Pulisic on at halftime as super sub once they've tired out a little bit because that Mexican squad is a bit older. Um, mm-hmm. They're, we might be able to catch them by surprise in the second half if we can hold out and I guess weather the storm that they're going to bring in the start. But because yeah. that, that was also something we did very well in the early qualifiers is weathering the storm and pulling points out of nowhere, even when it looked like we weren't going to get anything. Um, yeah. I just hope we can do that again. Exactly. Yeah. And Mexico has had a bit of a rough go of it, this qualifying. So uh, if, if we're sharp, we're in form. I don't think it's a stretch to say we get some points in Azteca. Oh, yeah. And especially when you look at who they've got this window, Mexico has the U.S. for their first game. Then they have El Salvador and Honduras. They mm-hmm. have games against two teams that are effectively for all. Well, Honduras is already eliminated and El Salvador is only mathematically av- available to get a spot, but they'd have to win all three of their games to do it. And I think. I think Mexico depend. I mean, they're going to show up with a good roster because against us, because that's just what Mexico does. It's yep. Mexico, us and Azteca. It's one of the biggest games of the year, regardless of what's at stake. Um, yeah, I'm certainly it, not they, trying to say that it's going to be a cakewalk. <laughs> oh no, definitely not. But I wouldn't be surprised if they rest a few players and try to bring them in at, you know, 65th minute to try to salvage a point um, because they've got two games where they can just go, you know, go absolute ham and really just roll over steamroll some teams that have nothing to play for at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they rested at least a couple of their key players just so that they can get the points in the guaranteed games. Um, that being said, Canada also has a rough window this year or this, this, this month. Um, Cause they've got Costa Rica, Jamaica and Panama. Now the Jamaica game, I don't expect that one to be difficult for them just cause Jamaica's out too, but Costa Rica and Panama, they're one point apart and they're both fighting for that fourth spot, but they could potentially push into a guaranteed spot. So Canada's got a couple of teams that are going to be fighting for their lives and it, it, it wouldn't be unexpected to see them drop a point here or there. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to catch Canada, but no, <laughs> we can't expect Canada to get all three points in all three of these games, at least not against Costa Rica and Panama when they're fighting so hard. Um, so we need to make sure that we come out and have great games in all three games. But I, I honestly think we have the toughest window because we have three stri- like super competitive teams that are pushing for spots because we've got Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica, all three pushing for that spot. We're tied with Mexico right now, and it's going to be a real rough one for us for sure. But looking at the window, there are really only two games that mean absolutely nothing, and that's Jamaica versus El Salvador and Jamaica versus Honduras because those three teams are out. That's mm-hmm. that's the only reason those games are dead rubbers. Yeah. 
I think the uh, the biggest thing with Canada is going to be that we cannot expect them to um, to keep Costa Rica and Panama from getting points off of them, which has much more implications for us who are a lot closer um, to those teams than for Canada, who more or less has wrapped up the top spot. Um, so like we have to play our hearts out because we can't rely on anyone else to help us out. Exactly. We can't rely on anyone to help us out, but at the same time, you know, don't expect Canada to just roll over and say, we've got this and put out a, a half-assed lineup and, and expect to still get points. Um, it, it's, it's world cup qualifying. Like they're going to play hard. Oh yeah. Canada has Canada has, I don't think it's controversial to say Canada has been the best team in World Cup qualifying this year, in CONCACAF at least. So I, I'm expecting them to do well, but yeah, we can't also expect them to sweep, get all all their all nine points and and help us out from not being in danger from Costa Rica or Panama. Exactly. Um, it's it's going to be a tough window, that's for sure. A um, mm. couple of last notes before, you know, a couple of last notes on this, though. So the the three games we've got set up are this coming Thursday at nine o'clock against Mexico, Sunday at six o'clock against Panama, and then Wednesday, the 30th, we'll have one more podcast in between there that we can talk about that game. Um, that one's at Costa Rica, and I we've said it enough times before. We'll say it again. We don't want to have to go there needing a point to get a spot. That is absolute doomsday scenario because it ain't gonna happen it ain't gonna happen yeah <laughs> that, that would be uh very dire if we uh if we need to get points in panama or in costa rica excuse me yeah but i think that's i think that's less telling about the team we have and and the coach we have i think that becomes more telling about the difficulty and the quality of the rest of the teams in the, in the federation because uh, mm-hmm. Canada has come out of nowhere. Mexico's always important. Um, Panama and Costa Rica have stepped it up and actually made it, you know, a five-team race for four spots when it used to be six teams for, what, three spots? Um, but it, it, it has a very hex feel to it in this last window with the hectic, crazy, anyone can do anything. All the marbles are on the table. It's just a matter of picking them up, getting those points, and, and moving along. Yeah, well, we're down to the wire, and um, I, I've got faith in in our in our squad. They've been good. I expect them to keep being good, and I, yeah, we just we gotta hope because um, we've got a very difficult window here, and we are not safe. So, yeah, it's coming down to gut check time. Um, this is when normally you'd expect your veterans to step in and lead the team. We've got. We don't have any. (laughs) We have the veterans, and I say veterans loosely. When I say we've got guys like Zimmerman, Acosta, Ariola, Pulisic that have been here, they've been to these kinds of games before. They should know how to act and and have the experience to be able to step up. But uh, if you look at some of the guys left off the roster, like Brooks, Zardis, Legit, these are big names Mm -hmm. for the U.S. that. I'm honestly a little surprised that we don't see them, especially because of how important this window is, how big those names have been for us in the past. And I mean, honestly, I'm I'm most surprised by Brooks and I've checked. None of these guys are hurt. None of them are hurt. Mm -hmm. But you have to wonder 
And some people are probably going to call into question if things go south. Where was Brooks? Why didn't you have the veteran? Where is Zardis? Why didn't you have the guy you know can score? Where's Legit, Mr. Super Sub himself? Like, people are going to ask these questions. And we just hope and pray those questions don't get asked. But it's a little bit... What are you thinking, Greg? You know? Yeah, especially with with Legit is very much my, like, what are you thinking? Because he's been rock solid for us there. Um, You know, he hasn't had like phenomenal production or anything, but he has been very key through guy, Um, the glue guy, you know. Um, Yeah. He's been very important, even though he hasn't showed up a lot on the score sheets. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's we've always said he's been that glue guy. Him and Roldan have been the glue guys that come in and all of a sudden the team I the the morale just completely changes and the game flips on its head, even though they don't end up showing up on the numbers. But it's yeah. it's questionable. The only reason I can see for Legit not coming in is the fact that may, you know he switched teams this off season and maybe Greg wanted to let him play with his club for a little bit longer. I don't know. Um, I was thinking that too, but he stayed in MLS. So exactly, it's not like he went overseas. Yeah. Like and with Zardis, that's what I was thinking is like, okay, well, he left. So maybe that's why. But Leggett just changed teams. He didn't change leagues. So, and he's been pretty well in form. So, wait, where did Zardis know. go? I thought Zardis went shipped off internationally, didn't he? No, Zardis is still playing for, uh, for Columbus, man. Oh, that's right. He went to Columbus. I thought, never mind. Okay. I'm He's stupid. He's been there for me. a couple of years. No, you're not stupid. You just made a brain fart. It's okay. <laughs> who was I thinking but of? I think you were thinking of Pepe, who went overseas. No, um, not Pepe. Um, are you sure he's a U.S. team player? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I might be completely wrong. But like I said, this is the chucklehead edition. <laughs> I think you might just be wrong on this one. But mm-hmm. but no, the the more important piece is Jossie stayed with his team. He he's not starting with the club so he may not be in form and that's probably what happened there but it's still a questionable leave off and you have to ask those questions beforehand and then we just hope and pray they don't come back up after the window that's for sure yeah well that's about all i've got on the u.s men's national team for now until you know we see a couple of games before next podcast yep i think that is about it for me especially because i made a Made a bit of a fool of myself. Anyway, the person I was thinking of was Daryl DK. Ah, the man that we <laughs> haven't heard from in forever. Yeah. <laughs> Remember um, how you always talk about how you don't want it to just become talking about guys, but we end up just talking about guys. <laughs> well, I mean, I make that joke, but that's th- that's the whole format of a sports show is talking about guys. But I think that's it from me. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, thank you for joining us this week on uh, the chaos edition of the Soccer Capital podcast. I have been your emergency backup host, producer Mason. And I'm your resident hooligan, Sean Campbell, who lives in a cave. (laughs) Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye for now.